0: This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London, together living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, everybody. I am super excited about a new sermon series we're starting this morning. We call it Wisdom Unlocked. So we're going to send you home wise. Are you ready for that? And if you come back next week, Sunday, you're going to be even wiser. So just keep keep on coming back. So in 2001, Andre and I got married. It was quite a big decision at that stage because he was 23 years old. And he was still studying. So our our first big decision as a couple. And then a year after that, he felt that he must volunteer to work at the church while still finishing his, his master's degree in engineering. There wasn't really a job advertised. He was just going to volunteer at the church, right? Another big decision for us as a, as a young married couple with debt to pay off and all kinds of things. So after that, uh, the, you know, we, there's many big decisions in our lives. So I'm just going to give you a few highlights the, the other one that we had to make was moving from the Western Cape to the Eastern Cape. Big one. <laughs> Big one. In 2008 when we got the opportunity to come to East London. And at that stage, I was, I was pregnant. It was so funny. Andre actually told me like a month before this op- opportunity came up. He said, Tonika, don't worry. We're not going anywhere. Because, <laughs> you know, at, at, when you, when you're part of Shofa, especially Shofar Stellenbosch, you kind of know, you know, that, Somewhere along the line, God's going to call you. This is just how it was because there's a kingdom out there and there's, there's, a, there's a nation out there that needs Jesus, right? So I said to him, look, we need to, we need to kind of think. Where are we willing to go? Because they're going to ask us. And he said to me, don't worry, you're pregnant. We're settling in. We're not going anywhere. Shortly after that, we had to decide whether we're coming to East London or not. And then after we arrived here in 2008, a year later, we had to make another big decision because I had to decide whether I was staying in my in my job, my profession after many years of studying and investing in my career. We had to make a decision whether I'm leaving that behind and joining Andre full-time at the church. So I'm sure many of you have had to make big decisions in your life, right? It's actually they say it's estimated that the average adult makes about 35000 Remotely conscious decisions per day. I don't know how they get to 35,000. Okay. But this is what they say. We, we are decision making machines. You know, we are constantly making decisions, uh, decisions. And no wonder there's something called decision fatigue. You know, they, you know, the, the, the clever people calls it. There's something like decision fatigue, which is mental exhaustion after After we've made a number of decisions and we get so tired, we can actually have decision fatigue. You know, so there's big decisions, there's small decisions, there's medium decisions. But, I mean, the bigger ones we all know about is who to marry, right? Who to marry. Once you're married, you're married. Okay, so you only wonder about that one for a season in your life. Who to marry, what job to to accept if you have more than one offer, what to study, you know, when to buy a house. These are big decisions, you know, and then there's the smaller ones, which is easier but sometimes also difficult, you know, what to cook for dinner. If you do that every day, you know how difficult they become. <laughs> what to cook for dinner, what movie to watch. Have you tried to watch a movie when there's lots of people living in the same home you want to watch a movie everybody enjoys? A small decision becomes a big decision. You know, what, what to, what to wear? It's supposed to be a small decision, you know, but it can also be a big one. It's, it's very funny to me, but, um, they say that, that businessman Steve Jobs and former president, U.S. president Barack Obama, they have been known to limit the number of outfits that they wear to, to one or two per day. It's crazy, you know, two outfits, one or two outfits in order to reduce the number of decisions they need to make every day. I mean, good for them. If they want to wear the same thing over and over, it's not going to work for us ladies, eh? No, we will We will make other decisions, you know, to limit that number. But the bottom line is every decision carries a consequence. You know, every decision we make carries a consequence, which means... We want to make the right decisions as far as possible. I want to make the right decisions as far as possible. So this is why we want to talk about something called wisdom. Because I really believe one of the most important ingredients for decision-making or for good decision-making, one of the most important ingredients is called wisdom. So so what is wisdom? You know, wisdom isn't knowledge. It's not It's not the accumulation of facts, which means you can have a PhD and be unwise. You can have lots of degrees. You can have lots of knowledge, but you can be unwise. Wisdom is something that you apply. Wisdom is something, you know, based on your knowledge and your experience that you actually apply the application of knowledge to make good decisions and good judgments. And I want to take you this morning through a, a few You know, just a few, a few keys. What, what, what do wise people have that is, that is so attractive? I mean, we all know wise people. You know, the people who, who listen to advice, the people who seem to grow all the time, the people who learn from their mistakes, people who do not send messages and emails when they are upset. Do not. Then we know the less wise. Let's not call them fools at this stage. Let's just call them less wise. They they seem to never grow up. They seem to make the same mistakes over and over again. They seem to be to, to be justifying everything they do, not open to advice, and they actually do send messages and emails when they are upset. I know no, not, none of you do that. I, I'm, I know, but I think you know. I think all of us want to be wise or want to become wise or want to grow in our wisdom. All of us want to, want to, want to be that person who's got the right answer for the problem, who's making the right decision with the right consequence. So I want to take you to a scripture this morning in Proverbs 3. Beautiful scripture. Go do yourself a favor. Read the book of Proverbs. Over. And over, and I was just amazing the, the gold nuggets in that, in every chapter, even every verse. Proverbs 3, 13 to 18, it says, happy is the man or the woman who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver. And again, than fine gold. She's more precious than rubies. And all the things you may desire all all the things you may desire, cannot compare with her. length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths, not some, all all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those that take hold of her, and happy are all who retainer. So I don't know about you, but this sounds like a really good deal to me. I just need to get wisdom. I, I need to run after wisdom. If I, if I get wisdom, then all these things are within my reach. Happiness, something better than silver and gold, something no desire can compare with, length of days, length of days, riches and honor, pleasantness, peace, something that's a tree of life. So it's, it's a package of really, really good things and it's all included in something called wisdom. So, so what is it? You know, and how can we find it and how can we keep it? Because at the end of the scripture, it says, happy are all who retain her, which means it's not only getting wisdom, it's retaining wisdom. It's growing in it. Constantly, all the time. So I don't know about you, but I want it. I'm in. I'm in because I know there's something about wisdom that is so rich. It's so, it's so deep and wide. And if if I can tap into that, I tap into so many other things. So I wanna, I wanna give you a few secrets this, this morning. Secrets that wise people have. Are you ready for that? A Few secrets. I, I promise I'm going to send you home wiser today, and next week you're going to to be even wiser. So so let's journey together. Amen? First of all, wise people are kingdom-minded. I'm going to explain that to you. James 1, verse 5 to 7, it says, If you need wisdom, if and when. I don't think it's it's a question of if. It's a question of when. Right? We're all going to need wisdom at some point in our lives. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and He will give it to you. Is it as simple as that? Yes, but there's a but. There's a but. How many scriptures, there's so many scriptures who have a but, right? This one's got a but. But when you ask Him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So it's an interesting scripture because it says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. But then comes the but. There's something that we we, we cannot only ask. We need to come with a little bit more than just asking. We need to come with faith in God alone, no doubting, no double mindedness, no plan B, C, D, E, F. If God doesn't answer, you know, because I think that that often happens. We do ask for wisdom, but we we kind of either made up our minds already, what we want to do, or we have a plan B or a C, or we're doubting, you know, is God really going to answer? Is God really going to come through for me? So we want him on our side. We want to partner with him. You know, we, we don't want to do this with our natural earthly wisdom or with no wisdom. We want it. But we still come with a, a double-minded heart. And then the scripture says we will receive nothing. We will receive nothing. You know, and, and sometimes sometimes that is the reason why we don't have wisdom. We Not a lack of asking, but a lack of faith. Divided. Loyalty. So I don't know how many of you have seen a movie called Ride Like a Girl. So it is actually based on a true story of Michelle Payne, who was the first female jockey to ever win the the Melbourne Cup. Now I'm not into horse racing, so I don't know much about this world, but I was fascinated by this movie because she's the youngest of ten kids. Youngest of 10, and her mom died when she was six months old. Six months. Now imagine this, a dad raising 10 kids, and she was the, the baby, literally. The baby of the family, they were all into horse riding. And at the age of seven, she said, I'm going to win the Melbourne Cup. You know, it was, it, it, it's not a, um, you know, especially at that stage, not a women's world at all. She was seven years old. She made up her mind. About a goal in life, you know, and the one part of the story that really, uh, that, that, that stood out for me in the movie is a dad daughter that when, when she's in a race, there's going to be the split second when there's this gap. You know, I don't know if you've, you've watched horses compete, but it's, I mean, it is, it's crazy. I don't want to be on, on a horse. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think this is a joke to be a, to be a, uh, to be in uh, or on the horse and every everybody is, is bumping against each other. But there's this moment that taught her that there's going to be this gap opening up. And if she doesn't take it, it's going to close. It's going to close. And then she's not going to win the race. So if she wants to win, there's going to be this gap. It's going to be a split second and she must take it. So what has that got to do with kingdom-minded wise You know, I really believe if we are kingdom minded and we come to God asking for wisdom, there's going to be moments in our lives, in our Christian walk, where there's this window of opportunity and we're going to hear God tell us, take it. Take it. In that moment, we cannot be double minded. We cannot be doubting. We cannot have divided loyalty because we're going to miss the opportunity. And I really believe sometimes, you know, sometimes we can take months to make a decision. Sometimes there's time. But sometimes I believe there's this moment. And for us to be able to to walk through, to take that opportunity, our foundation must be a kingdom-minded heart. Otherwise, we're going to be doubting. We're going to be uncertain. We're going to wait too long. The gap is going to close and the opportunity will be gone. You know, and I really believe and you know, in, our, in our walk with the Lord as wise people. Kingdom, a kingdom-minded heart is our foundation. Especially if we come to God and ask for wisdom. Because we then, then we can't have divided loyalty. We can't be uncertain. We can't rely on, you know, the money in the bank or our natural giftings. So we, if we come to God and ask for wisdom, we might not get the answer we like. We might not always get the answer that we want. But if we have an undivided heart, if we have a kingdom-minded heart, God's going to show us what to do. We're going to walk through it, and that's going to determine our destiny. It's going to be part of our call. You know, something that really stood out for me or stand out for me of Andre's life, you know, at the age of 18, he gave his life to the Lord, not from a religious background he just wholeheartedly jumped into this Christian thing. But what he did, he made up his mind about the kingdom of God. Okay. Yet it wasn't as if all the wisdom was there at the age of 18. But the one thing that he got right from the beginning was he made up his mind about God's kingdom. And that was, for me, that's, that's what stands out for me his whole life as a Christian. You know, he made up his mind about the kingdom of God, and he hasn't changed his mind ever since. It has just grown his love for the kingdom. A couple of years after his conversion, he made up his mind about something else—me. Yeah. He made up his mind about me. He hasn't changed his mind ever since. Praise God. But what I what I feel this morning, and I just want to want to speak to the to the men in our church. You know, us us girls, we need somebody who can lead us. We need a kingdom-minded man. We need kingdom-minded men. And I believe God calls to you guys, he calls you to be kingdom-minded family men. I believe this is what God calls you. He, he, he calls you to be more than just a kingdom-minded man. He calls you to be a kingdom-minded family man who leads your families. You know, and I and, and you know, Andre and I have made a commitment to each other, you know, that our family will never it it it's not gonna ministry is not gonna be at the cost of our family. We're gonna do this together. It's ministry and family. And I believe this is God's heart. And I wanna encourage the men this morning. You know, God calls you to be to be a kingdom minded family man. So if you are not yet married this morning. I want to encourage you to make up your mind about God's kingdom. And in the same way Andre made up his mind about me, I want to encourage you to make up your mind about the goal that you love. Ask the Lord for wisdom, how to fight for her heart. Because I really believe God is looking for kingdom-minded men and women to unite, to advance the kingdom of light. You know, as two wise people, to come together to be kingdom-minded and to advance the kingdom of light. Amen. kingdom-minded people versus double-minded people. The wise versus the foolish. The wise people are kingdom-minded. Foolish people are double-minded. Who are you going to be? We can choose. It's a choice. So wise people are not only kingdom-minded. They are also humble. Humble. True humility. Proverbs 10 verse 8 says, the heart of the wise will easily accept instruction. But those who do all the talking are too busy to listen and learn. They just keep stumbling ahead into the mess that they have created. So my question to you this morning is, are you willing to listen? Are you willing to learn? Or are you doing all the talking? Are you too busy to listen and learn. And sometimes we learn from the people we least expect. Sometimes we need to keep quiet just long enough. Then we find those those wisdom nuggets from people. But if we're gonna do all the talking all the time, there's no space for learning, there's no space for importation from somebody else. Proverbs nine eight says, Do not correct a scoffer who foolishly ridicules and takes no responsibility for his error or he will hate you do not correct the scoffer he will hate you correct the wise man who learns from his error and he will love you this is a very interesting scripture it says do not correct the fool for he will hate you but correct the wise man and he will love you so what is the difference it's the wise versus the foolish the correction comes, the advice comes, the, the, the feedback comes. The wise says, thank you. Thank you. I love you. I want to grow. I want to learn. The fool says, it's not my mistake. I'm justifying myself and I, I'm not going to listen to you. Who, who are you? Who are you? I'm right. You are wrong. And not only that, now I, I hate you. I hate you because how dare you correct me. So, it is, it's a fine line and sometimes we find ourselves in the middle of wise and we're not completely foolish, but we're not wise either. The wise says, give me feedback. The wise says, help me, teach me. I want to learn. The fool says, I know it all. I know it all. In fact, if you're going to give me feedback, I'm not going to like you. I'm not going to like you. And I want to, I want to encourage you. This morning, let's be wise. Let's welcome feedback. Let's welcome those who have the courage to give advice and to, and to tell us. And to tell us if there's a blind spot. You know, and I mean, it's one thing to be corrected by a person. It's another thing to be corrected by God himself. And I had a situation last year, you know, at our, at our pastor summit. We have a yearly pastor summit where all the pastors and their wives, they come together. And then some of the pastors get an opportunity to, to teach and to, you know, just to minister to us. And there was this one pastor, and I, I particularly liked his message. And, you know, afterwards, I went to him and I said to him something like, Oh, I loved your session. It was the best. You know, and when I said it, you know, I, I could feel it's something isn't right, you know. I was trying now to be encouraging and I was actually just, you know, wanting to, yeah, wanting to say I really enjoyed your session. And it was only him and Andrea who heard me, praise God. But that evening, you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, when the Holy Spirit comes with his flashlight, it's not always so comfortable. It's like in your eyes, you feel the conviction. God said to me, Sonica, I know you wanted to be encouraging this morning. But what you said was not right because it stirred a spirit of competition. Now, you must understand, you know, I'm not saying we can never say somebody's session or something was the best. You know, I'm not into mediocrity where everybody must get a prize and everybody's equal. You know, we live in a world where there's winners. Right. So just understand me in this context, with with the pastors, there's extreme pressure in a group. Where well, there's different pastors, some churches are struggling, some churches are still growing, S- some are really battling. And now it's this: "Oh, you are the best." And you, you know, it, the context was no, it's not, it's not good to say something like that. And God pointed it out. He said, Sonica, it, it what you stirred a spirit of competition." Even though it was just Andre and the pastor who heard it, I knew I had to make right. So it, it wasn't comfortable. It wasn't comfortable for me. And I had a choice. You see, I could either humble myself or I could justify myself. I don't know if you've ever had these conversations with God, you know? God convicting you of something and then you kind of start reasoning with the Lord. Saying, God, was it really that bad? Is it really necessary to apologize? I didn't mean it like that, Lord. And God was just, I want you to apologize. So I sent him a message. And you know the, you know what happened after I sent the message? You know what, what returned to me was my peace. I was unsettled. I was, I was unsettled until I humbled myself. And I could, like I say, I could have justified myself or I could have humbled myself and praise God. I chose to acknowledge that yes. I could have said it better and next time I want to do it better. But the only way for me to have my peace back was to respond in humility and to apologize. You know, wise people are humble. Foolish people stumble all the time into the messes that they've created. You know, so if we, if we accept the word of correction, our messes will be less. Or cleaned up quicker, right? It's not about not making a mistake. It's not about never saying the wrong thing. We are sometimes going to say and do things that is not Christ-like. It's not about never doing that. It's about are we going to humble ourselves or are we going to justify ourselves? Amen. You with me? So wise people are not only, they're not only kingdom-minded. They're not only humble. They're also God-fearing. There's something upon them that fear God more than what they fear people. You know, the scripture in Proverbs 9 verse 8, and I understand that says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is the beginning. You know, we can have, I can teach you this morning about a lot of wise things that we, we can apply or we can, we can make a part of our lives, but if, if I do not show you this scripture, you know, I am not true to, to the, to the true beauty of wisdom because it all starts with fearing the Lord. It all starts there. So in my previous job, many years ago, about 21 years ago, my boss asked me to do something and You know, it was one of those crazy, crazy days and weeks where you just work overtime and you don't even have time to eat or to sleep. So I forgot. He asked me to do something. I forgot. Two, three weeks later, he he checked with me. Did I do it? Because if if I haven't done it, there's going to be a consequence. I was really scared of him, super scared of him. So guess what I said? I said, yes, I did it. With the intention, with the intention of doing it the same day, I don't know if you've ever been in that situation. I said yes, I did it, and and, and lo and behold, I forgot again. Honestly, forgot again, which meant there were repercussions. There was, there was, there were consequences. There was a mess. There was a mess. And it was my fault, and I cleaned it up as best as I could. You know, I had to speak to another manager and apologize. It was it was a whole mess. But, but I cleaned it up behind the scenes. Cleaned it up behind the scenes. Fast forward a year later. I'm at a prayer meeting at church, praying, worshiping. There the Holy Spirit comes again with his flashlight. Okay. Sonica, a year ago you lied to your boss. Yes, God, I did. I want you to go and apologize. <sighs> no, God, you can't be serious. You can't be serious, Lord. I, I'm, my reputation, you know. I was seriously worried. I was. They knew I was a Christian. I was like, what about my reputation? I'm an auditor. I'm supposed to be ethical. Auditors, supposed to be ethical. Ethical, honest, you know, the trustworthy bunch out there. Now I must go tell my boss that I lied. So I was going to die a thousand deaths. I was, how am I going to do this? But you know, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation with God where you know he's not going to let you go. He's just not let, he's not, you can, you can apologize, you can repent towards the Lord until you're blue in the face. You would still need to do what he tells you to do because he's not going to let it go. It was one of those moments. So off I went. I, I couldn't. I couldn't speak to this person face to face. I was too scared. So I sent an email. I decided to copy in my manager. I was like, what if God asks me to, you know, go and confess to other people as well? I'm just going to copy in the whole world, <laughs> you know. And um, they sent. And I was like, now I just want to hide. You know, I just want to put in sick leave or something. I just want to not show my face at work. But I couldn't. And... The, the funny thing is, for them, it wasn't a big deal. You know, my boss still said to me, oh, Sonny, if you feel so guilty about this, you must go to a, a Catholic priest and, you know, confess your sin until you feel better. You know, they were laughing about it, and I'm like, seriously? You know, I'm like dying here, and you guys are making a joke of it. But the bottom line of the story is, after that incident, I had a holy fear of lying. A holy respect for for god 's law that says do not lie, you know and even if i mean I was under pressure i could I could have justified this right i uh, I was under pressure, I was really scared of this person, but you know what the moment we fear people more than we fear God, we become foolish we make we make the wrong decisions if you fear loneliness more than you fear god you 're going to go into the wrong relationship if you fear your future more than you fear god you're going to make the wrong decisions if you fear lack more than you fear god you're going to take the job with a with a better salary even if you know it's not going to be good for your health or your family or 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 you know the rest of your life you you're going to make decisions that might look good in the beginning but ultimately it's going to be destructive so I had a choice that day: was I going to fear God more than I feared my boss, or was I going to fear my boss more than I feared God? And again, the moment I did it, the peace of God. You know, uh, the the peace of God is one of our most precious possessions, and we are guided. the the whole The whole thing of wisdom and peace go together because when we lose our peace, we need to we need to. Pray for wisdom. We need to find wisdom until we have it, act upon it, and then our peace will return. And, and the, like I say, the two go together. And for me, when I lose my peace, I need to stop the boat. I need to stop and I need to ask God for wisdom until I find it and then act upon that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wise people obey, but foolish people follow their own way. Who are you going to be? You know, we all have a choice. We can we can either obey the Lord or we can follow our own way. And we have a choice, a daily, weekly, monthly choice. So, wise people are not only kingdom-minded, they're not only humble, they're not only God-fearing, they're also learners. They keep on learning all the time, all the time. And by learning, I'm not saying we're just accumulating knowledge. I'm saying we learn and we apply and we maybe make a mistake, but then we learn. We, we learn and we apply. Proverbs 9 verse 9 says, give instruction to a wise man and he will become even wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase his learning. Teach a righteous man and he will increase his learning. So in, in my, in my marriage with Andre, he's not only my husband, right? He's also my boss and he's also my pastor, which means I need to grow in wisdom all the time, you know? Why do I say how do I say it? When do I say it? You know, all of us, all of us are in a in a similar boat when it comes to our boss or our, you know, leadership or or marriage, but just for me, I just say to God, Lord, I can't do this <laughs> in my own strength, in my own natural wisdom. I'm not qualified. I'm not qualified for this job, you know? I'm not qualified to be married to a man who's also my pastor, also my boss. I need wisdom. You know, and through the years, I just, I said to the Lord, I, I need to grow. I need to learn. I've read so many marriage books. I have listened to so many things so that I can grow in how I respond, you know, to To my husband. And one of the, one of the major, major things that I've learned is to speak the language of respect, which we did not come naturally for me. I did not understand, you know, how to, how to do that, how to speak that. But through the years and through feedback and books and, you know, and just the word of God, I learned. I'm still learning. Do I always get this right? No. You can ask my husband. We have many discussions, (laughs) but I, I've made a commitment to learn. I said to the Lord, I'm willing to learn to speak a language of respect because I have this one person who's really important to me. Somebody I really love, but he's my boss and my pastor and my husband. So I need to up my game. I need to up my respect vocabulary. (laughs) I need to increase it because if I want this to work, I need to grow. And I need wisdom. You know, the same with my son. He's 14 years old and I'm a generation X mom, parenting a, a Gen Z boy, 14 years old. I didn't have a smartphone when I was at school. I, I lived in a very, very, very different world than him. I'm female. He's male. I need wisdom. I need wisdom. I cannot parent my son the way I parented him six years ago. It's not going to work. So it feels to me as if I'm adjusting every six months, you know, with a teenage boy. And it's it's awesome. He's my greatest gift, you know, apart from our marriage. He's my greatest, greatest gift. It's it's wonderful to be a mom. And he's he um our, our relationship is beautiful, but. I need to grow wisdom all the time. I need to adjust. I need to to learn to discipline with respect. He's a boy. You know, I need to learn to set age appropriate boundaries and manage screen time. All of that with respect. With a with a relationship in mind. Not just I'm the mom and you're the child and you'll do as I say and I know better. It's not gonna work. So I, I just say to God, Lord, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom because my relationship with my son is more important than the rule or the or the, or the the method or my idea. I need wisdom. You know, I've been reading this book by Andy Stanley and his wife Sandra called Parenting, Getting It Right. Really good read for those of you who want to give it a try. You know, I mentioned it to Vian. The other day I said to him, oh, I'm reading this parenting book. And he said something really sweet to me. He said, oh, mom, you don't need that. It's, it's very sweet. The only, the, the only problem with a comment like that is I can think I'm such an amazing mom <laughs> and put the book down and stop learning. And then Vian might beg me a year from now. Mom, can you please just pick up that parenting book again because this isn't working. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's possibly because I've read so many parenting books that I'm getting a few things right. Okay, I know, I mean, when Vian was born, I knew nothing, nothing. Motherhood was for me one of the scariest thing I've ever done, you know. And I just said to the Lord, I want to learn, not only to change a nappy, <laughs> I want to learn to parent, to parent a, a boy, a son. And it's not just about You know, getting him through school and, you know, getting the basics right. I want his, I want his heart. I want a relationship. And therefore it, I need wisdom. I need wisdom. You know, and I want to encourage you to never stop learning this is this quote by C.S. Lewis. It says, the next best thing to being wise oneself is to live in a circle of those who are. Find the wise people. Have coffee with them. Ask their, their advice. Listen to their podcasts. Read their books. Do not assume that you know it all. Do not assume that what you what you know now is enough for next year because it might not be enough. We need to grow all the time. We need to learn. We need to apply. We need to ask the Lord for wisdom. You know, wise people learn. Foolish people get their fingers burnt. Because I make the same mistakes over and over, but when we learn, when we apply, when we clean up our mess, when we ask for wisdom, we grow. Amen. And the good news I want to give you this morning, there's something in the Bible called gifts. Gifts of the Holy Spirit. We find it in the book of Corinthians. There's nine gifts. One of those gifts is called a word of wisdom. And... uh, I think of all, I mean, all the nine gifts are amazing, but I'm drawn to this one. I'm drawn to the word of wisdom because I know if if I can tap into this, the supernatural mind of Christ, his purposes, his will, his plans, if I can tap into that, it's for me the the starting point of the rest of the gifts flowing in my life. Because if I can have the mind of Christ, if I can tap into that, everything I do will... Will, will look different, will look Christ-like, will look as if it was created or, or initiated by Jesus himself because it's his plans, it's, 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 his, it's his initiative and I want to tap into that. You know, there are three, three gifts actually going together. It's the word of knowledge, where God reveals to you something about your past. There's the word of prophecy, where God reveals to you something about your future and then there's the word of wisdom where he reveals to you something about today. What do you need to do today? What decision do you need to make today for tomorrow, for next week? And this is so crucial. This is so crucial that we tap into this. I'm going to tell you one last story, right, before we pray. So last night... You know, we we are out of we are without Wi-Fi at the moment. I know if you've been in that position, we need lots of internet, and we we out of that, so we are on mobile data at the moment, which is a story for another day. (laughs) So now Vian last night was highly frustrated because he couldn't get his mobile internet to work. You know, and eventually I said to him, "But let me let me just have a look. You know, I'm not the uh, you know when it comes to technology." I am not the one to ask, okay? Vianna knows sometimes even more than Andre does. And now for for me to want to offer my help to my son is just kind of ridiculous. Okay, but now I'm asking him. He's like very reluctant. It's like, Mom, I tried everything. I really – so I said, but just give me your phone. Okay? I, I have no idea what I'm doing. Now I go to settings, you know, I check everything, cannot find it. And then all of a sudden I said to him, let's go to your Celsi app. Let's go to your Celsius app. I was like, Mom, you know, so let's just go to the Celsius app. I, I started checking a few things and then light bulb moment, you know, because uh, a few hours before that, I send him data. I send him data and then he says he kind of receives it and then he disappears. Uh, nobody knows what's going on. Then I checked on his Celsius app. You know what I saw? Midnight data. So I've sent him data, but it's midnight data, okay? So it shows he's got internet. It shows everything is fine, but he doesn't have any connection, you know? Problem solved. And it's, it's the mom who knows nothing about, you know, nothing about technology. And for, for us, we were laughing about it, but for us, it was a word of wisdom. I mean, I know nothing. I mean, I'm not the one to ask But even if you know nothing about nothing, God can actually give you a word of wisdom to solve a problem. You know, Vian said to me afterwards, Mom, I really didn't think you were going to be able to solve this thing because I tried everything, you know. And I want to encourage you this morning. You know, sometimes these situations, you're not an expert. It's situations at work or in your family. You just feel to solve this, you must be an expert. You need You need more knowledge or you need more experience, but there isn't now time to read three books. It's it's today. You need to solve it today. What about asking the Lord for a word of wisdom? What about asking him for a supernatural insight in the problem? And I promise you, he's faithful. He's good. He wants to help us. He understands every problem possible, you know. Engineering problem, medical problem, business problem, he understands it. He's the creator. He's the creator. And this is what, this is what I want to encourage you. I mean, there's, there's a lot of human wisdom where we can tap into, but then there's something called a word of wisdom. And this is what I would love for us as a church to grow into because it will transform our lives. You know, from bad decisions to good decisions, which is a good start. I mean, less messes to clean up. Less apologies to make, but not only from bad to good, from good to God decisions. Now imagine the multiplication in our families, in our, in our jobs, in our finances, if we can make God decisions. God decisions. And it might look very spontaneous and natural, but you are led by the Holy Spirit. You know, there will be multiplication like the, you know the miracle where Jesus multiplied the fish and the bread? Five loaves, two fish. Five loaves, two fish. He fed 5,000. I believe when we tap into the word of wisdom, it will give us access to, to, the, to the right gift at the right time. And it will lead to multiplication. If God can tell us, okay, now it's the time for the gift of miracles. It's not now time for the gift of, of healing. You need to pray for a miracle. It's now 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 right now we need God's wisdom what what do we do right now you know if we can tap into that gift of wisdom anything is possible anything is possible because God gives us his mind his heart his will his imagination anything is possible i mean i need it you need it so let's ask the lord for it amen Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.